the flag could talk, it could write a book. This man's name is really great. I'm trying to say you I'm looking in the window at Tiffany's. Hey, it's Nadine, and welcome back to In Her Lens in Conversation, Archives, and Documentary. A special short series is running this week on In Her Lens. In five episodes, you'll get to know five working documentary filmmakers and their views on archival footage. This series is a collaboration with the Brooklyn Public Library and New York History Day 2022 and follows a video I created for the New York History Day contest called Creating Documentaries and Unearthing Archives. You can stream it online, I've linked it in the episode notes. If you hear me say documentary or the video, that is what I am referring to. Dorisha is an Emmy Award-winning filmmaker who writes, produces, and directs documentary and narrative film and all kinds of television in Spanish and in English. In 2018, she directed a short film about transgender rights called Trans in America, Texas Strong. She created this for the ACLU and it garnered over 3.2 million YouTube views, was screened at South by Southwest, won two Webby Awards, and an Emmy. In 2017, she co-directed and co-produced a feature-length documentary called Chavela. In this episode, Darisha talks about her start as an actress and transitioning into the independent film world. She talks about the importance of loving the story that you're making, about trusting audiences with archival footage, and impact of film. Here is the fantastic Darisha on archives and documentary. Um, if you could introduce yourself to us, tell us a little bit about how you ended up in film, about your journey thus far, uh, if you're if you studied film or if you're self-taught, and um, yeah, we'll just start there. My name is Darisha Kai. I am from originally born in Los Angeles, raised in Dayton, Ohio, so I'm a Midwesterner. I studied film for the first time. I, my first film class was when I was 16 in high school. We had this program that was called Immersion, where you would study one subject for a month. And I, in my senior year, chose filmmaking. So I was 17. Mm -hmm. And I made this short experimental film, and I didn't really think much of it. It was just something to do. It was a lark. At the time, my goal was to be an actress. And so um, that's what I was focused on. And I went to college to study acting. I'd been studying acting and being in plays throughout my. Um, actually from elementary school. And so um, when I got to, so I first went to Sarah Lawrence College to study acting. And in between my freshman and my sophomore years, I got a summer job working with a documentary filmmaker. And he was such a lovely man and he was very generous and very helpful and he, let me, well, I mean, I think about it now and I, and I realize that, you know, it was free labor, I mean, cheap labor, <laughs> so <laughs> he let me do everything. And I was, I was one of those kids who loved learning and loved um, trying new things. And so I did research for him. I was assistant camera. I did some assistant editing. I did, um, helped him write grants. I just did kind of like everything. And it kind of piqued my interest. And um, 
And at the time, I also felt like I wasn't going to get the kind of work that I wanted in film, just be just being an African-American woman in the industry. Mm-hmm. What I was hearing from some people um, was not encouraging. And so I decided that, well, maybe I should um, make my own movies and star in my own movies. And so that was really my initial approach to filmmaking. And um, I wound up dropping out of Sarah Lawrence and working in the independent film community in New York for four years. I did everything. I was an assistant editor. I did assistant camera. I shot films. I um, worked at the film fund. So I did the grants process. I was the grants administrator. Um, I just kind of approached the process from every angle because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that, in doing that, I realized that what I wanted was to direct. And so um, after three years, I applied to NYU and got in. And and, and by then, because of working with grants, I had realized that in order to get money, you had to have a film, Mm -hmm. a sample, you know, you already had to have a work sample. So the, the best way to do that would be to kill two birds or feed two birds with one scone mm, <laughs> should be to go to school and make because you have to make a film in school and have the school pay for a lot of the film and then i'd have my work sample and i'd be able to raise money for the film i wanted to make so that's exactly what i did i went to um, nyu and i made a short film that then went on to win an award and and helped me get the money get grants to make the next film so and I've been a filmmaker ever since. I mean, I've worked in television to support myself, but I've been making movies since 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 college. Yeah, and now you work primarily in documentaries. Um, what excites you about that field specifically? Well, I love telling stories about badasses. That's my niche. <laughs> People who I feel like are um, game changers, who are have transformed themselves and whose stories will catalyze and transform people, uh, inspire people to grow and to change and, and just, you know, uplift people. Um, and so I love that these are real people, real stories, so that, you know, they can't be discounted, right? For example, with Chavela, I always say to people, look, Chavela restarted her life at 72. Mm-hmm. What you doing? Mm-hmm. What's your excuse, right? You're only 40. Yeah, because people be like, oh, I can't start over. Yeah, you can. If she can do it, anybody can. She couldn't have been more marginalized. Mm-hmm. A Latina lesbian who was uneducated, self-educated, you know, um, artist. Mm-hmm. It was like over there, way at the fringes, right? And she centered herself. And like at the beginning of Tavella, she says, uh, we... <laughs> Catherine asked her about the past and she's like, I don't want to talk about the past. I want to talk about the future mm. because her vision was the future. Right. So anyway, I like, I like those kind of stories. That's what excites me about documentary filmmaking, learning something new and meeting people that I wouldn't necessarily get a chance to meet otherwise. And, um, ter- telling, sharing their stories. That's the thing that excites you about documentary filmmaking. How do you choose a story? What do you listen to in yourself that kind of guides you towards a new project or a new film? In terms of documentary filmmaking, it's something, it's always, I'm always, in, I have to be intrigued mm-hmm. and excited because I know it's going to be a, a haul, a long haul, right? I mean, I've been working on my new film, Mama Bears, which will come out next year for when it comes out, it'll be five years. 
Yeah. Wow. That's a big chunk of your life, you know? So I always tell young filmmakers who are just starting in the business, if you don't love it, don't do it. If you're not absolutely thrilled by the idea, don't pick that idea <laughs> because you have to love it for a long time. It's a relationship, right? And um, you have to be, you have to commit. It's just like a relationship. You have to commit and recommit and recommit and recommit and recommit and recommit again, right? Mm -hmm. Because it requires everything you've got, right? I mean, one of the things I love, another thing I love about documentary filmmaking, especially independent documentary filmmaking, is that you it, it, it uses everything you got, right? So there's your social skills that come into play with picking your subjects and gaining their trust. There's your social skills in terms of having a crew and working with people and collaborating. There's your writing skills because you have to write grants. There's your communication skills because you have to do pitches. There's your creativity because you have to figure out how you want to shoot this and how you want to edit it and what kind of graphics you want. To. So there's just, your, it's, a, it's a full brain endeavor. Right, right, right. right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about archival footage. What is your experience in working with that? Do you use it specifically for research or do you also like to use it in your movies? How does that kind of uh, function for you? I love archival footage and um, we used it extensively in Chavela. Um, once we realized that there was enough, we had, we had footage that Catherine had shot. Catherine was the co-director and co-producer and she had shot footage of Chavela in 1991 that no one had ever seen so that was the sort of spine of the film and it was archival footage because we made the film in 2000 we finished it in 2017 mm -hmm. um and then what we when we realized that we there was enough archival footage for chavela to be able to tell her own story if we also went out and got interviews with people who knew her who could sort of you know uh, expand upon what she was saying then we could make the movie and so um, it is an incredible combination of archival footage from what we had, from what we licensed in Mexico, what we licensed in Spain, what we licensed in France, what we, you know, like we went all over the world to find footage of her. We didn't go physically. I mean, we went online. On the internet. <laughs> online archives, right? Uh, thank goodness people have started to digitize. But we actually did have to hire someone in Mexico to go digging in basements and stuff because they hadn't digitized a lot of their footage. Oh, wow. yeah. So, but I mean, that film is, is heavily relies on archival. For my new film, we are using home, home footage, like shot with cell phone, right? That's archival footage. Mm -hmm. um, and this time we um, got our subjects. So, so the film that Mama Bear is my new film is an expanded version of the film that you saw of trans in America, Texas strong. Kimberly's story, Kimberly and Kai's story is one of three stories that we tell mm -hmm. about mama bears like Kimberly. Mm -hmm. And um, we are using uh, their cell phone footage. We're using their home movies. We are using their old photographs. We are using all these things to round out the pictures that we want to paint of who they are and what their journeys have been. Yeah. So yeah. archival footage is, is awesome for that. It gives you a, another layer of depth that you wouldn't have otherwise. What do you look for in archival footage when you kind of try to discern between what is research and what is actually going into the film? I'm always looking for stuff to go into the film. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even when I'm researching, I'm looking for material for the film. So 
there is no distinction between the two for me. You know, like I'm, I'm looking at, I'm the only reason I'm looking at it is because I'm looking for something to go in my film. Yeah. Yeah. And what challenges do you face when you start working with archival footage? Um, you know, the biggest challenge of working with challenges of working with archival footage are the quality of the footage sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that you're working with so many different, you can be working with so many different formats. Um, and they all can look radically different from each other, right? But you're trying to create something that's cohesive. And so how do you do that with all these disparate disparate images, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, you just, I think audiences are sophisticated enough to understand and to accept different kinds of footage, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think actually it gives the film another layer of flavor as well, that it's just like, oh, oh, we're in the past, right? It, 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 takes your audience and and tra- and they travel they move back into the past when they see archival footage right cuz we've been trained by watching films with archival footage to know what it means right to recognize it and to appreciate it most people some people don't but most people do <laughs> what is one process to the way that you are a filmmaker that is unique to who you are i don't know that's an interesting question i think that as a filmmaker, one of my strengths is my ability to um, conduct very intimate interviews mm-hmm. with people, to gain people's trust and confidence to the point that they open up to me and reveal things that they often don't even expect to reveal. And that comes from my compassion, my understanding, and my empathy, mm-hmm. right? Um, often I will be interviewing someone and if they're telling me something hard, sad, tragic, I'm crying just as much as they are. Mm -hmm. And so when they see that and it's, you know, it's genuine because I'm feeling what they're feeling, you know, and I'm deeply empathetic. I mean, I'm an empath, so, you know, I can't help it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't even, I can't not do it, you know? So I think sometimes I might even trigger people <laughs> to cry, you know, because I might start crying first just because they're telling me something that's moving me, right? Um, but I think that that is um, part of my process that is unique because I often leave us an interview and the whole crew is like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very special quality to have as a person. In terms of practicalities with filmmaking, uh, where do you go when you start researching in for archival footage? And do you have any tips and tricks around that? And on the other side of that as well, what would you recommend having in your kind of toolbox as a young filmmaker? The first place I go for archival footage is to the subjects of the film, right? Um, and and the thing is that they might not necessarily think of what they have as treasures, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's a process of education that you have to take your your people through in terms of um, how you're going to use it, what you're looking for, what they think is trash. Like literally, they they will think that you know this is just some it's been sitting in a box for 20 years. I haven't looked at it. You know, like right, exactly. That's exactly what I want, right? So I have these conversations with people to sort of teach them what to look for, right? Because right. they don't see it that they don't see it the way we see it as filmmakers, right? They don't see the beauty of it necessarily. And they definitely don't see the usefulness of it. And and they don't fully understand sometimes. I mean, some people are very sophisticated and they get it, right? But a lot of people don't understand what they have, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, there's archival houses that you go to, right? Um, and then um, I think mainly I've also gone to newspapers and to TV stations and to um, even um, like with Tavella, we went to record labels because, you know, they have promotional materials. So you kind of have to think outside of the box, you know, um, if you're doing a sports story, in addition to like going to the networks and stuff, you're also maybe going to go to like the little local channel, right? Um, go to that person's hometown and dig in the archives there, dig in, talk to the local librarian, talk to, you never know where there's going to be some footage, right? Of this person, especially if they've done something noteworthy. If you could look at your younger self, your young professional self, when you were first starting out, what would you say to her? (laughs) If I could have a conversation with young Darisha when she was just starting out in the business, I would say to her, girl, you got it. Don't be so insecure. (laughs) You do know what you're doing. You are a storyteller and you have great stories to tell. That's what I would say. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you when you haven't done it, you don't know. And the and the scary thing about filmmaking is the only way that you know if your story works is you have to show it to people. Right. Right. And sometimes you find out that it's not working. Often you find out that it's not working, right? And it's scary. But at the same time, it will only get better if you show it to people, you know. And then you see it, but I mean, it's, it's scary to put that up on a big screen or, or, well, now we do it on on the computer, right? Back in the day, you had to literally give it to someone and they just put it on a projector and it was on a big screen and there was an audience and it was like, oh Lord, no, <laughs> right? It's not working. They're not <laughs> laughing or they're not crying or whatever, whatever reaction you expected, you know? Right. Um, so you don't really know until you start making work and putting it out there and even, even, you know, you think it's good, but until an audience watches your film, you don't even know what you've done, right? Do, do you see the impact that it has on people? That's when you know, oh, it's a good story. <laughs> uh, I think about this all the time, also as an actor and as someone who works in theater as well, that you know, all the work that we make as artists, like you do need an audience and you do need that interaction. That is what makes it, it, it will never, it will function separately and it will exist, but it really exists with an audience and with the viewership. And that is terrifying, but also the most thrilling part about what we do. Exactly. That's why we, that's who we do it for. You know, that moment when you're, when you're sitting in the dark theater and the lights go up and people are just like, you know, so excited and and moved and they're like with Chavela, we had a screening where bef- I used by the point by the at the point at which we had this screening, I had toured with the film for about six seven months, so I'd seen it a bazillion times. And at that point, I what I would do is wait for the first five minutes to make sure the sound in the picture looked good, and then I would leave and go have a drink and come back for the Q and A. <clears throat> so I got ready to get up and leave, and the audience started talking back to the screen and singing along with Chavela. And they also were getting this jokes in Spanish, in Spanish. So I knew there was a Spanish contingent of people there because usually when I was at screenings, because most of them were American audiences, there'd be a slight delay for the, mm-hmm. they'd have to wait for the subtitles, right? Right. And then they'd laugh. 
But this audience was like on top of it, right? And I thought, oh, shoot, I've got to stay for this screening. This is going to be like no other. And sure enough, those people laughed, they cried, they sang, they cheered, they clapped. I mean, it was amazing. And then when we got an out, it was a gay audience. So, of course, right? Because they were like on board from day one. They're like, a, a badass lesbian, yes. <laughs> Yeah, But when we got up to go do the Q&A, they burst into applause, jumped to their feet and stood for like a minute and a half. And it was it was probably one of those moments I'll never forget. Not probably. It is a moment I will never forget because that kind of standing ovation and that kind of visceral reaction it stays with you. I mean, like I get goosebumps just thinking about it, you know, I'm getting goosebumps. That's what you live for as a filmmaker. Right. To have that kind of impact on an audience where they're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is so much to get people up and out of a chair. That is that was a blessing. Yeah. So beautiful to hear. Thank you so much for hopping onto this call with me. I am so appreciative. I'm so excited. Super. I'm left feeling very inspired. Thank you, Darisha, for taking the time to sit down with us. Check out all of Darisha's past and upcoming work, like Mama Bears. You can also stream Trans in America, and I've linked it in the episode notes below as well. I want to thank Shirley Brown-Alini and Talia Den for making this project possible. Special thanks to the Brooklyn Public Library, Charles Rudoy, and Sonia Ochshorn. In Her Lens is produced and edited by myself. Visuals for this special were created by Madeline Baker, and the theme music is by Daniela Wiegener. I'll see you tomorrow with a new filmmaker.